This message by Mike Pluniak was recorded during a Sunday celebration service for Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. Mike serves as a pastor on staff at Cornerstone Church. To Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah chapter 61. This week, the, the Babylon Bee, a satire news site, had this as the title of one of their articles. Hallmark researchers say they are close to developing a second movie plot. <laughs> I have never seen a Hallmark movie, but I know that there's only one plot used over and over. Here's what the article says. Emerging from deep within the lower level of a high-security Hollywood laboratory, Hallmark researchers have surfaced to announce they are finally nearing the development of a second movie plot. The second movie plot is reported to be vastly different from the original plot, which has been utilized in 1,437 Hallmark movies. After years of sweat, tears, and no small number of lives lost, we are proud to say we are very, very close to developing a second movie plot, said Hallmark's director of movie plot research, Dr. Professor Herbster Blongweiss, to a crowd of middle-aged women wearing sensible sweaters and hairdos from 10 years ago. I, I found that hilarious this week. Sometimes... I think sometimes the Christmas story can feel a little bit like a Hallmark movie. It's the, it's the same every year. We know the story. We know the plot line. We sing the same songs. And I was thinking about that, and I thought, here's the amazing thing about the gospel. There are so many rich details to the birth and the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And while the story will never change, we can spend our entire lives looking at every single detail and being amazed that God would send His Son to be the Savior of the world. We don't need a second plot line to this story at all. They may need a second plot line. We do not. This morning from Isaiah 61, I pray that we'll see with fresh eyes the miracle that God would send His Son to be the Savior of the world. So look with me at Isaiah chapter 61. We're going to read verses 1 through 3. This is God's Word for us this Christmas morning. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He may be glorified. 
Really just one main point this morning that we're going to build over the next few minutes. And it is that the Christ is, first of all, anointed by the Spirit. So we're going we're gonna to build a main point. One sentence this morning, main point, we're going to build over the next few minutes. The Christ is, first of all, anointed by the Spirit. Isaiah prophesying about the servant who would come to redeem the world begins by highlighting the work of the Spirit upon him. This coming Savior would be one marked by the Spirit of God. He would be anointed by Him, verse 1 tells us. There's going to be something uniquely different about this one. As we recount the Christmas story, I'm thankful Bill pointed out the role of Joseph last night because sometimes he can be overlooked. But I think there's another main character sometimes we can overlook, and that is the Holy Spirit. It's pretty amazing to see the Spirit's work in the birth of Christ. This is Luke chapter 1, verse 35. It says, And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Remember, the angel tells Joseph not to fear to take Mary as his wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. It's very clear in the the narrative of Jesus' birth that he would be both fully God and fully man, unlike anyone ever born before or after him. And this is a work of the Spirit of God. And we see this all over the story of Jesus' birth. The work of the Spirit continues when Mary goes and meets Elizabeth. It says that the baby in Elizabeth's womb, John the Baptist, leaps for joy, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then we find Zechariah filled with the Spirit and prophesying in the temple. And Simeon in the temple is filled with the Spirit after hundreds of years of silence from God. As we close the Old Testament, as the birth of Christ approaches, we see the Spirit at work all around because He is anointed by the Spirit. The Christ is anointed by the Spirit. And Isaiah says that He is anointed for a purpose. The Christ is anointed by the Spirit to bring good news. The next part of our sentence. He's anointed to bring good news. And I love this part of Isaiah. Don't we need good news? There's so much bad news. It seems like every day people jump on bad news and they share it and they broadcast it. Now the thing is, if something bad is happening, everybody gets out their phone and films it and shares it. Instead of doing something, they record the bad news to share. When I drive the kids to school in the morning, we've gotten into this habit of listening to country music uh, because it's on the Bobby Bones show. And every morning, Bobby Bones shares good news stories. And we just, it's so refreshing. We're like, ah, tell me something good, good news. The last one was about a dog saving a hunter who got lost. And I was like, this is the best news we have. This is it. This is the good news. There's something, there's something refreshing about good news. Listen, Isaiah's telling us there is no better news than what Christ came to share with us. He says that he's going to come 
to bring good news to the poor and to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. I read these verses, and and you have to imagine these verses are on Jesus' mind when he begins the Sermon on the Mount. I mean, this was his message. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. He comes with this good news for the poor in the spirit and the meek and those who mourn over their sin. I love what the angel what the angels say to the shepherds, you know, for I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. As soon as he comes, this good news comes with him. When Jesus comes, he brings good news because he is the good news. And Isaiah says he's going to come and he's going to bind up the brokenhearted in verse 1. I know Christmas is a celebration, but I also know we can, also, we, can, we can often have mixed emotions at the holidays. We celebrate, but we also become aware of, of sorrows, of lost loved ones, of memories that aren't coming back. Even just folks we prayed for this morning and, and people who lost family members and have family members who are struggling and there's a celebration and there's joy but there's this mixed emotion where you still feel some sorrow this time of year there are those this morning who are broken hearted and being broken hearted is not something any doctor can heal there's no medication you can take to fix being broken hearted there's no surgery that can repair that but but it says here that Jesus can bind up the brokenhearted. To bind up requires personal attention. It takes patience and and gentleness. If we have a doctor or a nurse bind up a wound, we want them to be careful with us. We want them to be gentle. We want them to be compassionate. This is what Jesus does for us. He binds up the broken heart of this morning. He draws near to us. He comforts us. He gives us hope. He helps us in our time of need. And he's so gentle with us. Listen, if that's you this morning, if you enter Christmas morning and there's a sense of being broken hearted, Jesus draws near to you. He knows your heart. He knows the sorrow, the sadness. And I think he's present today to comfort you. That's why he came. That's his mission. He came to bind up your heart, to bring you good news that will cheer your soul this morning. He comes bringing good news to the poor. He comes binding up the brokenhearted. And Isaiah says he's going to come to proclaim liberty to the captives. He releases those bound in prison. And we know when Jesus came, The the, the jail cells didn't all fly open. So what is Isaiah talking about? He's talking about those who are captive to sin and Satan. Those who are bound by their own sinfulness against God. We already sang about it this morning, but Jesus was born to die. From the moment that he was born, his life was on a collision course with the cross. That was his trajectory. That was the plan from the beginning. The angel even told Joseph, she will bear a son 
and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. This is why he came. The good news is that the Christ was born and came just as God promised, and he came bringing good news to all of those who mourn over their sin, that there's a way to be forgiven of our sins. There's a way to be reconciled to our God. He proclaims liberty to the captives, freedom. He comes saying, you can be set free from sin by the power of this good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Christ is anointed by the Spirit to bring good news of God's favor. That's what he's bringing good news of, God's favor. Verse 2, look at verse 2 in Isaiah 61. To proclaim, he came bringing good news, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. God has been hinting at this in the Old Testament. In Leviticus 25, they, they had this law where every 50th year, Israel was to take the whole year off. It sounds pretty nice, doesn't it? A whole year off. And they would cancel all debts. All property would be returned to the original owners. They would proclaim liberty throughout the land. This was the goal of the year. Every year they would say, this is, every 50th year they would say, this is the year of the Lord's favor. The cross cancels all of our debt against God. We have been set free. We are free from striving and trying to earn God's favor. He's saying the Messiah is going to come and he's going to proclaim you already have the favor of God. It's been won. It has been earned for you. You already have it. You have peace with God and the Lord's favor. And not just every 50th year, but every day of every year of your life is now the year of the Lord's favor. Peace with God. One of my favorite Christmas stories is the silent night of World War I. And I've shared this before, but I'm going to share it again because it's one of my favorites. It's a true story. It was Christmas Eve, 1914, on the battlefields of Flanders, where one of the most unusual events took place. The German and British and French troops who had been fighting actually laid down their guns and called a Christmas truce during World War I. And this was spontaneous. It started when the German troops put up small Christmas trees around their trenches, and they, they lit it with candles, and they began singing Christmas carols. This is Christmas Eve. And though the troops in the other trenches didn't understand the words they were hearing, they understood the melodies of these Christmas songs, and they began singing them back in their languages. And pretty soon they began putting up signboards calling for a truce. And soldiers, I don't know who did this first, who the first one was, but they came across the field. They began shaking hands. They showed pictures of their families. They exchanged gifts of chocolate and newspapers and postcards. They even played a game of soccer. It is a universal sport, okay? Everybody plays soccer. And for a, for a moment, something about Christmas brought peace. It brought fierce enemies together. And there was a Scottish poet, Frederick Neven, 
writing about this truce, he wrote a poem about this called A Carol from Flanders. And it ends with these words. O ye who read this truthful rhyme, from Flanders kneel and say, God speed the time when every day shall be as Christmas day. When every day will be like that. When every day when, when fierce enemies will become friends. When, when fighting ceases, when wars end. Listen, Jesus came to bring us peace with God and God's favor. Not just today, but every single day can be like Christmas day. And I don't know, I don't know what 2023 has in store for you. None of us know. But one thing I know you will have in 2023 is you will have the Lord's favor. 2023 is the year of the Lord's favor. And so is 2024 and 2025 and 2026 and 2027 until we sing again, the Lord has come. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Every day from now until then, we have God's favor. This morning, God is pleased with you, not because of your work, but because the Messiah has come. And he has earned God's favor for you. It's the year of the Lord's favor every single day. The Christ is anointed by the Spirit to bring good news of God's favor and transforming grace. It's the end of our sentence there. It's the point this morning. The Christ is anointed by the Spirit to bring good news of God's favor and transforming grace. He came to transform his people. Look at verse 3. He's going to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, verse 3, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. This is all about those who are, who are mourning, those covered in ashes and those with a faint spirit. He will give you this morning the oil of gladness, the garment of praise. When, when we're sorrowful, he clothes us in the garment of praise. When we are sad, he pours the oil of gladness over our heads. He brings joy out of sorrow and praise out of weakness. When we have a faint spirit within us, he gives us the ability to praise him and sing these Christmas carols and, and to have the truth and the hope of the gospel. This is what he came to do for us. And at Christmas time, we love, we love our stories of transformation, don't we? I mean, just think about all the Christmas movies we love. We love Ebenezer Scrooge transformed from a mean, selfish, greedy miser to one who finds joy everywhere. And he goes around being generous and giving, and he gets a second chance to make things right. We love the story of the Grinch who hates the Who's in Who'sville and all their Christmas celebration. And he has a heart two sizes too small. And he is transformed when he hears the Who's singing Christmas morning instead of crying. He expected them to hear. And it says his heart grows three sizes larger. And we love George Bailey who wrestles with discontentment in Bedford Falls. And he's transformed 
to realize how truly blessed he is. We love stories of transformation and hope. There is no greater transformation than what we find in the gospel of Jesus Christ. None of these stories have anything on the gospel of Jesus Christ in every single one of your testimonies. He transforms our hearts, not from being too small to being larger. He transforms them from being dead to alive. This is what he came to do. He transforms us and he makes us glad. He clothes us in the oil of gladness. He gives us the garment of praise. He does this for us this morning. Not something we have to strive to do. Not something we have to do inside of ourselves. He does this for us. And my prayer is that today, whether you are poor in spirit, the brokenhearted, if you are mourning, if you're the faint in spirit, if you're the captive who feels bound, that Christ himself would transform you this morning. That he would set you free. That he would give you the oil of gladness and the garment of praise. That this Christmas you could celebrate the Christ has come. We celebrate the Christ was born, born of a virgin, born in Bethlehem, born to set us free and transform us by his grace. The Christ is anointed by the Spirit to bring good news of God's favor and transforming grace. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, I pray for everybody here this morning, Lord, that you would fill us with glad hearts. And my heart is for those who struggle on days like this, to those who feel lonely, to those who have memories or regrets, that you would fill them this morning with your spirit, Lord, that they would remember the good news of great joy that Christ has come and been born to set us free. And I pray for everyone here this morning, Lord, that you would cover us, fill us this morning with the oil of gladness, that we would have joy, not found in things, not found in possessions, but joy that comes from knowing Jesus Christ, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. 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 You've been listening to a message given by Mike Pluniak during a Sunday celebration service at Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. To find out more about Cornerstone Church of Knoxville, visit us at www.cornerstonechurchofknoxville.com or call our church office at 865-694-4356. We'd love to have you join us in our mission to treasure, grow in, and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ.